Hello everyone, and welcome to this SciSS podcast, episode 7. Um, I am going to be alone today, and uh, I figured it would be a good opportunity to talk about the England squad. It's currently May the 25th, 6th, sorry, May the 26th. Um, Gareth Southgate has named his provisional England squad, which is of course full of 33 players. He can only take 26 of the championships, so we're going to be having a little talk about about the squad that he has picked, um, and then I'm going to take it upon myself to pick the seven players which I think shouldn't go to the tournament. Um, it's going to be, I think, a little bit controversial. If you're listening at home, you will almost certainly uh, disagree with me, but we'll see. We we will see. I'm also going to discuss some some honourable mentions that I think should have been at least considered or should even have been in the provisional team. And at the very end, uh, we're going to do the all-time, well, it's not all-time, sorry, the best starting eleven. Um, ironically, I do actually have the Europa League uh, final one in the background, but this will be out by the by the time this will be out, the final would have been played. We would have know we will know the winner. So I'm not going to uh, tell you if there's any goals going because you obviously would have seen them, or you're probably watching the game right now as I'm doing this. So how we'll do this is uh, we'll go through the squad. I'll give my thoughts on each and every player, and um, I've written down my seven players who. Um, I'm going to be leaving at home in in my in my squad. Some of who I think should go. Um, so as we go through, I will I will you know I will kind of throw it out there. You know, this guy's going home kind of thing. So without further ado, I think let's just get straight into it. So we'll go through position position by position, shall I say, and we'll begin with the with the men between the sticks, the goalkeepers. So let's begin. Uh, so the first goalkeeper he named was Dean Henderson of Manchester United, who I'm watching in the background right now. So I like Henderson as a goalkeeper. Um, he hasn't really been given many chances, which considering United have David De Gea in net, um, I think that was expected. I mean, he did brilliantly at Sheffield United when they came back, didn't they, um, last season. And you've seen the impact really of him now leaving and them having to essentially readapt. But distribution-wise, he's he's very good. You know, he can make saves. I think he needs to improve on his feet. I think there's been one or two goals he's conceded where he's been a bit sloppy on the floor. I mean, just against Liverpool, you know, kind of made one or two very sloppy errors, handling as well. So he's certainly not the complete package, but he's got a lot of potential to be a, a great goalkeeper. One problem I have with him, though, is not that he plays for Man United. It's that he um, he hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, he's played mainly the cup games for United. He's played one or two league games where he has done well, to be fair to him. But he's mainly played, uh, you know, here and there, a handful of games. And you want to be taking players of the squad that have played squad. You want to be taking players to the Euro, sorry, that um, have been playing regular football, which is why, controversially, he's going to be my first omission from the squad. So, number one, Dean Henderson, yep, he's he wouldn't be going in my squad purely purely based on the fact that the other goalkeepers that have been chosen have, you know, played regularly week in, week out, or nearly every week. Whereas for Henderson, it's been few and far between. I think we need someone fresh as hell. But that's not to say I don't rate Henderson. If you've been given more games this season, I, I probably would have picked him almost certainly. But I think just purely based on the fact that he hasn't played many games, my worry would be that if there was a situation where we need to put him in the starting eleven or whatever... I think a bit of rust might show. And I think it has shown this season at United. You look at his performance against Liverpool, the, the 4-2, where he was just, he was making, you know, the, the he made the error for the third goal. 
you could even have a go for the second goal from remember that the the cross into Firmino and the Farbo's header, and of course the fourth goal where I don't know what he was doing with position. He pretty much moved out of the way so Salah could score more or less. It was ridiculous. It was like the sort of positioning you'd see on FIFA. So Dean Henderson, it's with much regret that you will not be in my England squad. So you'd be my first cut. So on to the next goalkeeper, Sam Johnson of West Brom. Um, I think he's been a bit of a success story. I feel a bit sorry for him because he's one of those goalkeepers who clearly has the talent. He's clearly got something about him. He's, he's a decent keeper, even though he had another goalkeeper score past him a few weeks ago. He's a decent keeper, but he's one of those unlucky goalkeepers who just simply has a poor team in front of him, a, a desperately poor team. But I think in games sort of against Liverpool, United, Tottenham, you know, even games where they've lost, he's the one person that's kind of really saved them from further humiliation, not just in those games, but overall in the season for West Brom, was Sam Johnston. So um, for me, he goes to the tournament. He stays. Um, I think he's a solid number two. And I, dare I say it, I think you put him in a better team. You put him in, say, any of the big six sides. You know, you put him in the, the Chelsea team, the Liverpool team, the Man City team with a half-decent defence in front of him, I genuinely think you would see a lot more of him as a good goalkeeper. I think he'd be talked about a lot more. But he is a decent keeper um, and a very solid number two choice. I'd even be tempted to put him as number one, but that's a different conversation um, altogether. I think he deserves some time. Obviously, there will be, correct me if I'm wrong, there will be friendlies before the actual tournament begins. Why not give him a chance? See how he does. If he flops, yep, probably the other guy I'm going to talk about should be the number one. But he should definitely be, at the bare minimum, the number two uh, for the Euros. It's not right to say he should be the number two in, you know, in in uh, in in Spain or or Germany or whatever. But obviously, it's all over Europe, so it's not one set country. So he should be the number two when England travel to Europe, which is kind of coincidence because we're not in the EU anymore. But that's a this isn't a political pod, uh, podcast today. This is a, a very much a sports based podcast. But don't worry, guys, there will be non football podcasts coming very soon. So Johnson stays in. Jordan Pickford is of course. Pardon me, our next man. So this is where probably the controversy begins a bit because obviously a lot of you know by now, and as I'm sure you could tell, as I, I mean, as I mentioned about 10,000 times when Sean was on here, I am a Liverpool fan. So having to say that Jordan Pickford's in the squad kind of pains me, but realistically, he's probably in our top two goalkeepers. Just for the record, if Nick Pope was fit, he would have been my number one. I rate Nick Pope very highly, but I was double-checking during my research and he is... Uh, injured, he's having surgery, I think, very soon. So obviously he will not be fit, but he would have been my number one choice otherwise. But Pickford will, of course, go. But it's a tough one because it's a weird one because at club level, at international level, he delivers. Like the World Cup, he was absolutely brilliant, right? Like in the in the penalties, he saved us. He made numerous saves. Distribution was decent. But at club level, he's he's kind of like a Loris Carrius. You just never know what you're going to get. He makes silly mistakes. Um, he's a bit. If I was an Everton fan, he would scare me a little bit. It'd be, it literally would, would be like having a Loris Carrius. Like he can make good saves, but you never know when, when the next mistake's going to come. Saying that, though, he has proven himself for the national team. He was a hero at the World Cup. And even though I feel slightly sick in my mouth having to, to put him in, Jordan Pickford would be would be in the squad. He would he would be in the squad. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just I feel slightly disappointed in myself saying that. But, yeah, he... He would be there. He would be there. Let's move on because I'm starting to want to throw up. Final goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. Now, this was a tough one because a lot of people have spoken very highly on Aaron Ramsdale. And I kind of roasted him a little bit, and I'll tell you why. He's played 
in two two numerous Premier two consecutive Premier League seasons, yeah. He's played for Bournemouth. He's played for Sheffield United. He suffered two relegations, bounce uh, back to back. He's played a hundred and okay, my maths is really bad. He hasn't played a hundred and seven something games. He's played seventy five games in two seasons, yeah. He's only missed one game in the last two seasons. He's been relegated, and on top of that, I looked at this right. He has conceded almost a hundred and twenty three goals. Now, I will lay off him a little bit because he played for Bournemouth and Sheffield United. He had two diabolical defences in front of him, yeah? That's, that's that's not entirely his fault because like before he came to Bournemouth, they were leaking goals even before that. But 123 goals in two seasons. I mean, you can only roast the defence so much. 123 goals past him in two seasons. That's That's a little bit scary. Once again, you could put him in a position where you put him in a better team, put him in someone like Liverpool, in someone like Manchester City, Man United, Chelsea. Do you know what? Even someone like Leicester. Do you know what? Even West Ham or Leeds. Put him in a better team like that. Maybe we see a bit more of him. But I'm sorry, but 123 goals in two seasons. That is that is absolutely shocking in my opinion. And that's why, um, for me, he doesn't go to the Euros. I'm From, from my... 26 man squad um i've 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 gone for two goalkeepers number one number two i don't feel like we need four goalkeepers there obviously there is a slim chance that there could be some some serious injuries uh that you know we could have a you never know we could have a kind of liverpool style uh, goalkeeping injury crisis and we have to put bloody harry Maguire in goal carl walker in goal or something but yeah i'm sorry um aaron ramsdale 123 goals in two seasons I'm sorry, mate. I, I can't. That you can't be trusted. So for me, he is my second omission from this squad. So we've got two goalkeepers. I mean, let me know what you think. Uh, do you do you rate Aaron Ramsdale? I don't think he's the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen, but I don't think that you can ignore over 123 goals in two seasons at Premier League level. I I think that's shocking. I think that is absolutely shocking. So defenders, um, I'm just going to give you a slight spoiler on that alert now uh, I've omitted two defenders and one I've done with a bit of regret but I'll come to that so let's go through the defenders in front of me now so John Stones is our first defender from Man City of course I mean needless to say he deserves to go an incredible season I mean since he's been at Man City he's had a bit of a strange career hasn't he because he came to City when Pep first arrived he really he desperately struggled didn't he he Desperately struggled, was all over the place. Then they had the record-breaking season where he was looked a bit reborn, and then he went back into the position of of obscurity, and it looked like he was done. Like, I remember that game against Norwich, the one where they lost three two, where it where they kind of really started to lose um, ground on Liverpool in 2019-20. And you know when he had that disastrous performance with uh, Otamendi at the back, it looked like he was done. Like everyone's, I think you know it, it just looked like this guy had no future at the club. Then Diaz has come in this season. Obviously, that has been completely changed. He's been one of the defenders of the season. He was in my team of the season. He was also in Sean's team of the season, my previous guest. Um, so absolutely no question this guy goes to the tournament. Luke Shaw next. Again, I don't disagree with that. I think, they, they, again, similar to John Stones, the revival that he has gone over, that has you know he has gone through in the last, what, year and a half or so, has been absolutely incredible. Like this is a guy who who joined Man United, what was it, seven years ago now, 
was was regarded probably the best one of the best left backs of his you know youngest left backs of this generation. Big future had him went to United. I think that was where it was rumored to happen, and it hasn't really happened. It looked like under Van Hol for a little while, like he was going to really take off. That never happened. Then Mourinho came in, and that was a bit of a disaster. Um, then it was uh, Solskjaer, very mixed. But this season, he's just bought just he's just become something else. Bombing up and down that left flank, defensively very strong, intelligent, fit. That was a big thing. I mean, Mourinho was, I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but he was outright came and in so many words criticised Luke Shaw's weight. But now, you watch Luke Shaw today, he's just running around for 90 minutes, putting an absolute shift in at both ends of the pitch. Deserved um, left-back uh, spot in this team and deservedly going to the tournament. And my word, what a turnaround. It has been, it has been some story. Two kind of really... Um, Two great stories of players who completely turn things around when it looks so grim. So, continuing the, the, the kind of theme of um, pulling yourself back from the abyss, uh, Harry Maguire is up next, and he is not one of the defenders I've admitted. If anything, I thought he was desperate and lucky not to be in the team of the season. Another player who had, you know, we only have to go out to September. He was absolutely diabolical. Like we remember those performances against Crystal Palace. Even against Brighton, against Tottenham in the 6-1. Even for England, I think he got sent off, didn't he, against, in one of the Nations League matches. It just looked like he was going to be a, a meme for the rest of his career at United. But as the season's gone on, he has been absolutely impeccable. He's improved playing out from the back. Defensively strong, a leader. I mean, you take Harry Maguire out of that Manchester United defence and it's literally like watching Titus Bramble twinned back there. Like It's just not the same. And he just brings a quite remarkable leadership presence, which no one thought, especially me, no one thought he really had. But without him, United are shit defensively. They're absolutely shit. You saw against Liverpool. They were all over the place. Against Leicester, all over the place. Um, early on in the season, obviously, you know, the, the, the turnaround from that to proving Kia has won a lot of his aerial... I think he's been statistically, in terms of aerial jewels won and stuff from centre back for centre-backs, he was like the top-ranked player in terms of you know winning aerial drills, tackles, and stuff like that. So absolutely deserving of a place in this team. Now a player who has very much divided opinion if you're Gareth Southgate, and that is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, being a Liverpool fan, I'm not going to sit here and kiss Trent's ass. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the first to admit he has not been at the same level he was last season, or even the season, even the last two or three seasons. You know, he started the season. Very mixed. I remember the first game against Leeds. He was, even though we won that game, he was all over the place. It was a bit mixed actually. And against Aston Villa, the infamous seven-two, uh, he was. He, well, he wasn't the only one. He can't be on him. But he, he was absolutely shocking. As season went on, you saw glimpses of him, you know, kind of showing that level. But you never, you just never really saw anything like the Trent we were used to. Uh, especially going into sort of the new year, kind of the first two months of 2021, you know, the games against Southampton, against uh, Man City, Everton, the sort of that sort of run of games we had where we were losing six on a row at home. He was all over the place. And even then you saw glimpses that he could be some player, you know, that he is still there. It's just one of those things. Every player, even the best players, even the Ronaldo's, Messi's, they just go through rough patches of form. And that's all Trent was having. So for Gareth Southgate 
to jump to conclusions and leave him out of the squad was uh, I, I I can't get my head around it even now. Absolutely shocking decision. Glad to say CC sense and he's picked him for the squad because in the back end of the season we have see end up seeing the very very best of of Trent. Absolutely strong finish, goals, assists, defensively um, brilliant. He's had, he's he's topped a lot of the stats for defending in the back end of the season and for the overall season. So absolutely deserving to be there. So next up, Kyle Walker. I mean, it's controversial because I've never rated Kyle Walker highly defensively. I've always thought he's one of those players who has always been better going forward than in his own box. But again, to be fair, I, I think Jao Cancelo in terms of at City has been better. But obviously, Jao Cancelo is not English, so we will not bother talking much about him. <laughs> But I can't deny that when Kyle Walker has played, he has been very, very good. I just feel like City are kind of a little bit better when he's not on the pitch. But in terms of England, yeah, he, he does deserve to be in the squad. Strong player, pacey, fit, athletically, you know, yeah, athletically fit. Can can, can score goals if needed. You know, he, he does have a decent long shot. Can bomb up and down the pitch, can put a ball into the box. Defensively can do a job. I just don't think he's one of our stronger defensive players for me but he will be he's very useful to the squad and again I think deserves his place in the team moving swiftly on Tyrone Mings um yeah I mean there was a lot of fuss about him last season when Aston Villa were really struggling in the Premier League when it looked like they may well get relegated since then he's I, I, I think it's been a combination of many things to why he's kicked on so much they obviously bought in uh, Villa they bought in Martinez they bought in Cash who's all proven to be great signings They've kind of really changed how they play a little bit. They've played a much more exciting brand of football this season, very efficient. And Mings has been a big part of that. Um, uh, a player who's uh, attracted some sort of bigger clubs. And again, I think absolutely deserving of his place in the squad. I think he's been he's been one of many players who have been brilliant and, and crucial to Villa's progress in the league. And would he be my first choice at the Euros? Probably not. But he's certainly someone who pardon me, who will be a good backup option. So Reese James is our next man here. And uh, again, I, I've got no complaints with this. I think he's another player who absolutely deserves to be going to the tournament. I'm just going to take a sip of my drink. Uh, young player, of course, very young. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. I'm going to I'm gonna take a stab about 20-odd years old, 21 maybe. You, we always saw a lot of progress with him last season at Chelsea when they were in the mix of the transfer ban. I think when... That was lifted. There was a big concern that maybe some of players, maybe him would being one of those players, would maybe get kind of pushed to the side and in favour of big name, expensive players. That obviously hasn't happened. If anything, he's been one of their best players. He's played nearly every game. He's contributed with the odd goal here and there. I remember he scored an absolute screamer on the opening night against Brighton. He's another kind of fullback who can bomb up and down the pitch. Defensively, has improved massively and has been again one of those players who boosts Chelsea when he plays to put crosses into the box kind of an all-round right back pacey strong uh, again absolutely no complaints next up Connor Cody now this is where things are interesting because on my little list here of players who are out my list of seven as we know two that are out Connor Cody becomes my first um, player who is being exiled it's a tough one because Connor Cody is a good player. I think he's proven that the last two seasons for Wolves, even when they're in the championship breaking records. But 
it's not just him. Listen, Wolves have had a, a, a poor season. It's been a pretty miserable time there. There's been no secret about that. Um, you know, they've had a lot of kind of injury problems. There was, and, you know, exits that were not practical. There was a lot of Doherty in the summer, Diego Jota, players who were who were instrumental to their success in the past couple of seasons. Uh, and then, obviously, Jimenez had a long-term injury, so they were without a striker and it all kind of... A bit like Liverpool when Van Dijk got injured and Gomez got injured. It all kind of went just tits up and we were all over the shop. Um... But Cody, I mean, I can't ignore the fact that Wolves have down, have gone so downhill. Is it his fault? No, it's not his fault. I'm not going to sit and blame him. But he has been part of a team who have desperately, desperately struggled domestically this season. Um, I think you've got to take. I think you've got to think of it as a, a mentality thing. I think you've got to take players to the tournament who are going to be more confident, who are going to be more in a in a mindset where they've just come out of a successful season or a half decent season. And at Wolves has been very much misery and, and disappointment. Um, and for that reason alone, coupled with the fact that he has been part of a struggling side, it's it's with much regret that, more by process of elimination, that Cody, for me, stays at home. I, I apologise to any Wolves fans who disagree with me, but I'm thinking of the kind of overall bigger picture. So, sorry, Connor Cody, mate. I'm sure you'll be back improving next season, but you're not going to be in my squad. Next up is Ben Chilwell. Um, I think a very deserving player to be in this squad again. Um, uh, it was a big, big move for him to Chelsea. We've seen it with these big moves. They can either go one way or the other. He has obviously had some time out injured. But when he has been fit, I think he's been uh, one of the signings of the season, in my opinion. Um, he's contributed with goals, assists, clean sheet. He's, he, I mean, there was a lot of criticism of Marcus Alonso over the last few years. He just hasn't really performed. And Chilwell's come in and essentially been the, the defender Chelsea have been looking for in that position. Pops up with a few goals, like I said. Um, as an overall strong defender, would he be my first choice at the Euros? No, but between Shaw and, and Chilwell, they're like two brilliant left-backs. And I think both bring a very similar thing to their games. Chilwell's a very, again, a very athletically fit guy who can bomb up and down the pitch, can, can do an all-round job. So, yeah, absolutely uh, no issue with him being in the squad. So let's move on. Ben Godfrey, uh, one of the uncapped players. We did mention Sam John Johnston, and I believe Ramsdale were the uncapped players. Obviously, Johnston is staying in my England squad, uh, and Godfrey is one of the others. So it was an interesting signing. I think Everton spent about £25 million on him from Norwich, which was a big move considering how badly uh, Norwich struggled uh, last season. Um, but he has been a pretty impressive signing. I apologise, by the way, if you can hear my phone vibrating. Um, it's just because I've got the Europa final one, and I think it's on vibrate. Apologies about that. So, Godfrey has been... Um, yeah, he's, he's not played loads and loads of games, I wouldn't say, for Everton this season. He's kind of... He's been a bit of a late-season resurgence kind of guy, really. So, second half of the season, he's played a lot more games. But when he has, I've got to say, he's been absolutely brilliant. He registered a lovely assist the other week for, for Calvert-Lewin. I think it was against West Ham. Defensively, when he's played, he's been really strong. And alongside Michael Keane, has been absolutely impeccable. Um, and I think he deserves a chance. I think you've got to pick players who are hungry, who have enjoyed enjoyed some success. Um, whether you know, it doesn't always have to be winning trophies. It can be individual success stories. And I think Godfrey is is one of those players. So yeah, I think give him a chance, mate. He could be a very decent um, option. I think he can play right back and centre back as well. So that makes him a useful player to have. Has proven himself that he can play a bit more forward as well. Can you know, can find a pass. So he could be a pretty 
flexible player. So I think what fair play to him. And uh, you know, I don't like praising Everton, but yeah, he's been a good signing for them. Um, and I think he deserves a spot. Kieran Trippier, our oh, next man. I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Kieran Trippier, Trippier. I think it's Trippier, isn't it? He's not. He's not. He's not Spanish or saying Kieran Trippier. Um, a bit of a weird one because there was a big uproar about him, wasn't there? Something about him getting banned. I can't remember exactly why. He was obviously one of the heroes of Russia 2018. Uh, it's just one La Liga with Atletico, so that makes him yet another player to leave Tottenham and win silverware. But no, uh, he's played, I think, 34 games for Atletico this season. No go goals, but six assists has contributed massively to making them a tight unit. Hard to beat, and they've obviously become Spanish champions as a result. I remember after the World Cup, he kind of dipped a bit. And I think, you know, he left Tottenham after the, they lost the, the Champions League final to, to Liverpool. Went to Atletico to essentially kind of reboot his career, get back to where he was. And he's slowly done that. Was he, I think he was probably in his prime around that World Cup period where he had a good season with Spurs, went to the World Cup, had a blinding World Cup. And maybe that got to his head a bit. But he has been probably one of England's better right backs. Two years ago, he's probably the first choice right back in this team. This time, he's probably third, if I'm honest, but still a very good player to have there. He can also play a bit more forward as well. He has played right mid one or two occasions for Fetico this season. So a, a decent option to have there. So, yep, Trippier, you, you can stay. Uh, next and final defender is Ben White, uh, a very promising youngster at Brighton. I mean, I think Leeds wanted to make the, the, his deal permanent because I think he was on loan there. And Brighton were pretty adamant to not do that, so he stayed there. He's had a pretty decent season, but hasn't blown me away in the sense that I've, I'm looking at some of the other names on this list. And if I had, I, I mean, would I see him get ahead of any of these guys in any way, shape or form? Absolutely not. I'm just going to take a sip of my hot chocolate. He's a player who, I don't know, I don't, I just look at these other names and I just think, hmm, okay. And uh, I am going to, do you remember at the start I said that two defenders have been cut? Obviously, I'm sure you can guess by now that Ben White is the other defender. Nothing personal against the guy. He's not been crapped by any means. I just think compared to everyone else on this list, they all just bring a bit more experience, in my opinion. They bring a bit more uh, big game mentality. And that is purely the only reason why I've left him out. It really was for me a process of elimination because there's other players I'm looking at that I think have to be there. So it is with much regret that Ben White is going to stay at home. But I want you to know it is with much regret. I'm sorry, Brighton fans. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure some of you might be getting a, a little bit uh, tilted hearing this, but I'm, I'm sorry. It, it had to be someone to fund that defence, I think, and, and he is the man, purely based on experience. So that is... The defenders I'll be taking, so we've removed Cody and uh, uh, Ben White. Although I should stress that I, Ben White, his name here, had to have a big question mark next to it. So I really had to think about it. So midfielders, slight spoiler alert, uh, I have not got rid of any midfielders listed on the on the England squad. I've got, I'm doing this from the BBC Sport website, and all the midfielders that Southgate named are in. So let's do a, we'll do a quick run through of, of how they've done and why they deserve to be there. So Mason Mount, uh, Champions League finalist, of course. I think he's one of those players, you could see he had potential under Lampard, but under Tuchel, I feel he's really stepped his game up. He's gone to the next level, especially in big game situations. Uh, for England as well, he's really been in great form um, since, more so since COVID, I was saying, since the initial lockdown, where obviously there was no Euros. He had the uh, Nations League games and some of the qualifiers. And I think that's allowed him to 
mature as a player to get used to that international stage. And he's been one of our better performers. So, yeah, for me, absolutely deserving. And is, you know was a, was a contender for me for uh, the young player of the year. So, again, no issues with him in this squad. Absolutely deserves to be there. Alongside him uh, in this midfielders list, Declan Rice. Again, I mean, the progress he's made in the last few years has been incredible. Again, for West Ham, I think this year, you know, they've had a great season and he's he's shown different sides to his game. Obviously, we've seen him very much as a holding midfielder, but this year we've seen him in other roles. I mean, you look at the goal against Southampton the other day, bombing forward, taking his chances. Not a goal scorer by nature, but has shown other sides to his game, which have been critical in helping um, West Ham to such a great season. Whether he would be in my starting level in the Euros is a different case, but he's someone who can do a shift. If you need him in centre-back, he'll do it. Midfield, um, so I think a very, very tidy player to have in the squad. Next up, the big man, Jordan Henderson. I mean, what else can I say about the man? Uh, an absolute god, an absolute hero. But of course, you know, he, I mean, he's one of those players. You take him out of that Liverpool team, and we just don't look as solid. Obviously, he's had a few injury problems here and there, but... I think we can also say he's probably one of the finest centre defensive midfielders. Scrap that. We'll find one of the finest midfielders probably in the Premier League. I would even go as far as to say Europe, but I know that sound might sound a little bit biased. But he's just part of me. He's someone that brings leadership. He brings. He can bring goals, hard work. He'll press for you. He's just the complete man, isn't he? The complete midfielder. So, yeah, undeniably in the squad. No questions asked. I don't want to admit to be a Jordan Henderson appreciation podcast. That's not why we're here. Let's move on. Jude Bellingham, uh, just 17 years old, I believe. Gone to Dortmund. Big, big move for Birmingham. I mean, they retired his shirt number, so that was an interesting um, decision. It was a big thing of whether he could he could kind of follow in Jaden Sancho's uh, footsteps at Dortmund and progress as a player. Considering his performances this season and the fact that he reached a Champions League quarterfinal, he's won the German Cup in his first season. I think it's fair to say he's on his way to doing it. What a player. Um, he's someone who brings something a little bit different. He's a, a feisty little player, can 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 score goals, can assist, he's got vision. At that age as well, that is absolutely incredible that he's got that mentality as a player. He's won trophies now. He's got experience of big game situations. Again, I've got absolutely no problem with him in the squad. And, you know, he'll be very unlucky actually to not get a start. But we are going to go through the what I will be think will be the best starting eleven uh, in a moment. Next up is Calvin Phillips of Leeds. Now, if there was one player that I was potentially going to leave at home, it was him. Nothing against Leeds. I actually really like Leeds United. It was a tough one because Phillips is a very good player. But, um, you know, it was one of those, like, has he done anything to warrant not going? And I looked at some other players and I looked at this guy and I think, no, he hasn't warranted anything, nothing, done anything to warrant not going because... Since the start of the season, he's he's been he's been he's a he's a unique CDM in the sense that he he can put a shift in at the back uh, in terms of that holding midfield role. He can ping passes together. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a shabby Alonso, not obviously as good, but in the sense that he can start play from back. I remember start sort of attacks from the back. Should I say? Um, I remember I think it was the open day against Liverpool where he just pinged a beautiful pass for Harrison. Harrison chests it down. I think it's Jack Harrison, I think his name is. Chests it down and they score. And that is sort of things he could bring, those long balls. And he could be very, very handy for for England at the Euros in terms of whether it be starting or, or substitute appearances. He's just someone that can create um, opportunities from nothing with those long passes. Puts a shift in. Passionate. Um, 
very defensive minded, admittedly. Um, but I think he'll be a very tidy player to have. So again, absolutely no problems there. Next up, it is the man, the myth, the legend. Me and Sean spoke about him in the in the last podcast we did together, the the unofficial Premier League awards ceremony. It is, of course, Lingardinho, Jesse Lingard. Uh, actually, this is a Man United player here. I don't know how long, how much longer that will be the case. Um, listen, the, we, we were talking to the defenders about you know rebuilding your career when it looked like it was finished, kind of thing. And if there's one player. Who who really, really kind of um, represents regenerating yourself? It is this man. When he went to West Ham on loan, he was a laughing stock. But he has proven everyone, including me, wrong that he is actually a goddamn baller. He has more or less single handedly helped push West Ham from a Europa League challenging side to a Champions League challenging side. Obviously, they didn't make it in the end, but they've still finished sixth. And he's contributed goals, assists. He's he's looked like a man reborn. He has been absolutely incredible, absolutely deserving. And to be honest, um, I think he's a contender to even start some of the games. He was pretty good at the World Cup a couple of years ago. Um, he scored obviously a lovely goal at Panama. Probably wasn't England's best player, um, but he was someone who certainly did well when given the opportunity. And I think it's proven a lot of people wrong. So it really is the ultimate success story for Jay Lings. And he deserves his place in the squad. I think to leave him at home would be criminal, to be honest. So the final player, James Ward-Prowse um, for Southampton. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm really happy with this. I think he absolutely should go to the tournament. Um, sorry, may I just say, I'm watching Villarreal and United. It's a penalty shootout, obviously, for the trophy. Uh, you'll obviously know what happens in terms of winning, but it's, it's, I think it's 6-5 Villarreal now. And these have been some absolutely cracking... This has been a penalty masterclass. But anyway, going back to the topic, yeah, James Ward-Prowse. Um, he's someone I've rated for quite a while. He's in a Southampton team, which is a decent team, but it's quite clearly not a great team. Um, but he is someone who... He has proven himself once again this season. Absolute free kick maestro. So right there we have someone who can whip balls into the box. He can take long shots. And one thing I really like about Ward-Prowse is, is the vision he can see on the pitch. He can see passes before anyone else sees them. One example, the when we when we lost Southampton over the season, when Danny Ying scored the winner against us against Liverpool, the quick vision just to see a pass. And that is one thing I think Ward-Prowse does. He brings a very quick passing game very quick passes that no one else sees before anyone you know before anyone else can see them so he again is someone who i think is is a very tidy player deserves to go and to be honest i think he, i would go as far as to say he you know someone like liverpool or man united or one of the big six should be looking at this guy as, as a potential signing i think he's absolutely quality and again absolutely uh deserving of a place in the squad so no midfielders cut there was no one i could realistically say in this midfield I think every midfielder in this provisional squad deserves to be there to be perfectly honest so we're on to the forwards and then we're going to talk a bit about the uh, honourable mentions that I think should have been considered and uh, the potential best starting 11 so uh, we'll quick, I think the, a lot of these kind of are self-explanatory so I won't waffle too much about these players Harry Kane I mean do I really need to sit here and explain why he deserves to be going to the tournament Premier League golden boot Top assist, um, 
deserves better than Tottenham. What more can I say? The main man, the leading man. If anyone's going to bring it home, it'll be this guy. Not much more to say, to be honest. He's a baller. Um, and, you know, you can see it now, him banging in the winner in the final, hopefully. Not much more to say, really. Let's move on. Marcus Rashford. I mean, it's, it, you wouldn't think it's been a 20-goal season for Rashford, but it has been a 20-goal season, consistent again. Not quite carrying Man United, but being the main source of goals again. Has put his, his assisted goals as well. Has been had a very good season um, once again. Um, I, I've always said this though. I, I see Rashford maybe as more of a winger for me um, in terms of in England. Um, he's always been he's always been like a uh, like a reserve player. You know what I mean? He's always been that super sub player. That's uh, someone who, when England needs someone to make an impact, he's the guy that will come on and make you that make that impact for you. So now he's matured a bit. Since the last year is when he was obviously it was the last year is when he sort of burst onto the scene with all those goals, Alex Hunter style. It'll be interesting to see if he's considered for a more bigger role. Um, I think he's good, but it's a tough one. I've so I've got an idea of my starting eleven, and I'll I'll we'll discuss Rashford's role in that team a bit later on. But yeah, another player who I think absolutely deserves to deserves to go. He's been one of England's uh, finest talents in the last what, five years or so, um, and, and you know, it's really handy to have someone that can potentially, you know, start games in the winger position, striker, or can be that sort of impact player when things are going wrong or you need a goal. He's not a bad option to, to bring on. So a slightly controversial one next, uh, Raheem Sterling. He's someone who has had a bit of an interesting last couple of years. There was a, I remember there was a spell where he just could not stop scoring, this sort of past 18 months hasn't really been too great for him on a personal level, a little bit inconsistent. He's always had some memorable moments, he's had a moment to forget. Need I mention the miss against Leon in the Champions League at 1-1 where it could have potentially put City into a semi-final of the Champions League. A semi-final where they only would have had to play one leg because this was uh, fresh in COVID times. He missed it. Ha ha ha. But I say that he came back to score against us at Anfield when they us 4-1 but we're not gonna we're not gonna talk anymore about that but listen you, you 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 know he's had a good enough season I think he's a Premier League winner he's been a big part of success he's been great for England in recent years he's he's a born winner monster mentality under Pep has carried over to the England team there's no way you can leave him at home even if he has been a bit inconsistent um you didn't really happen for him at the last World Cup but I'm pretty sure this time around I, I'm I would like to think that it will not be the same again so, um, I should mention at this point that we've got uh, do do do. We've got uh, four players who are not going to the championships in my in my squad so far. Three of those other players will obviously be forwards, and we're about to become we're about to meet the first player who I'm not picking. I'm just going to take a sip of hot chocolate to let you have a little second, just a second, think about who I may have left at home here. Just have a little think about it. And some good hot chocolate. I'll tell you how, um, how it goes cold a little bit quickly. So, oh, this is going to tilt some people. Ladies and gentlemen, he's been named in the professional squad. But if I was Gareth Southgate, I wouldn't be taking him. And this is going to be controversial. I, I know. Believe me, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, the first striker, first forward, should we say. Because, what a penalty. Uh, just watching the Villarreal Manchester United final still. And this penalty shootout is absolutely incredible. And yes, I am doing this on purpose to to make to keep you waiting, to keep you on the edge of your toes. 
but it's 10-9 to Villarreal, and it's an absolutely incredible masterclass of penalties. I know I mentioned before, but I thought someone would have won by now, and it's still going to Villarreal just, and United just putting some, some great penalties. But I'm not going to put you out in misery. Ladies and gentlemen, the first forward not going to the tournament is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now, I know what people are thinking. You're going to think I've not picked him because he plays for Everton. No, that is not why. I have my reasons. So, um, there's a lot of forwards that have been picked. And I'm not going to be around the bush. I like Calvert-Lewin. I think Calvert-Lewin's a very good striker. But I look at some of the other forwards in this team. And I just think they bring so much more than Calvert-Lewin. Um, players like Kane, obviously. Rashford, I think, brings more. Even Sterling. But in terms of out-and-out centre-forwards, there's a couple more names on here. Um... That just bring more. And as I said, Calvert-Lewin's a, a decent player, but is he the sort of striker, you know, because let's face it, Harry Kane's going to be the number one starting striker, right? I think we can all safely assume that if you're chasing a game, okay, let's say it's, a, let's, let's create a little scenario. It's quarterfinals, yeah? England and, let's say Portugal, for argument's sake. It's nil-nil. No, not even that. It's one-nil to Portugal, yeah, for whatever reason. England need to make a sub. They decide to freshen it up. You've got Harry Kane, who's kind of a traditional centre-forward, right? Very, very good with his feet. But let's be honest, he's not someone who's going to make runs through the back, be able to uh, outpace players, be able to take players on. He's not really that sort of player. He, when he can do it, he does do it. But it's not his style. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, I can just tell you that Villarreal have just won the Europa League. David De Gea has just missed the penalty. Congratulations to, to Villarreal. Commiserations to, to Manchester United fans. Um, let's just get that out of the way. But back on topic, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Is he the sort of player? Because let's be honest, he's a big man. He's an aerial threat. He's a sort of whip it into the box and hope he gets his noggin on it. Is he the sort of man you're going to be want to bring bringing on in, a, in say, a big game, uh, someone's getting behind? Is he the sort of man you're going to turn to? For me, he's not. He's a good target man, but I don't see... He just doesn't strike me as a big game player in that sense. I know he's done well against some of the big teams this season, but in terms of for England, I, I just don't think he would be the sort of man I'd want to turn to in a crisis, to be honest. I think you'd want someone that can run it behind, someone that can, pardon me, make an impact, someone that can just give you a little bit of magic. And he's not that man. I don't think he's much of a magician on the pitch. So I'm really sorry, Everton fans. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, like Manchester United, are going home with nothing. Uh, so he's our first striker that we're cutting. Next up, well, I say striker forwards. Phil Foden's our next option. I mean, he was a, he was my PFA, he was me and Sean's PFA Young Player of the Year. He has been absolutely incredible. I, I, I do I really to say what if he's going to be in the squad or not? Of course, he should be in the squad. He should probably even be in the starting eleven. The things this guy can do is incredible. I remember Pep Guardiola coming out a few years ago and saying that he sees Foden as one of his biggest talents. And people were kind of looking at that and laughing. So obviously Pep worked with you know Messi. But we're now seeing that actually he wasn't chatting as much shit as it seemed at the time. Because Phil Foden has been incredible. What doesn't this guy has have? He has pace. He has skill. He has vision. He can score goals. He's a good team player. He's a good professional. Except that time in Iceland, but that's a different case altogether. But this guy, just he does everything. He can play up front if need. I mean, he filled in for a strike a few games. I see, but in midfield, he's an incredible talent. And probably, I mean, people talk about Kane, Rashford, Sterling. 
I think this guy, genuinely, no bullshit, this guy is possibly one of the finest young talents of this generation. Like, genuinely. So, for me, Phil Foden absolutely walks to the squad, no question. Jack Grealish is our next option, obviously. He's had a bit of an, a bit of an injury uh, problem the last few months. He's recently come back just at the right time. He's obviously in the provisional squad. Absolutely, he should be in the uh, final squad. Um, I, I mean, it says here forward. I'd probably maybe be inclined to put him more of a midfielder, personally. But he's absolutely spearheaded a, a brilliant Aston Villa season. Has been excellent against some of the big sides. He's probably England's most creative player of everyone I've probably named. Um, and the fact that Southgate weren't really given them an opportunity is just ludicrous, to be honest. Um, another player who, for me, just has it all. Skill, pace, um, vision, can score goals, can set up goals. Yeah, he goes down a bit easy. But overall, he just has kind of everything you would really want. So... Yeah, absolutely, should be in the squad. Absolutely, no question about it. The fact that it's taken Southgate so long to kind of give him real, a real opportunity is kind of an injustice, really. Uh, Mason Greenwood is our next option. Uh, another man who will be receiving a silver medal in the Europa League final. Sorry, United fans, it's just happened very fresh, so this is going to be a lot of digs at you. Nothing personal if I was a man. If, I'm sure if there's any Man United podcasters out there, you'd probably be saying the same about Liverpool, but... Greenwood's a tough one. I think Greenwood's a good player. He's someone who has pace, has a lot of potential. But I... Okay. I feel like a lot of you are going to shoot me here. Greenwood's one of my options that I've, that, I've, that I've decided to pull him out. He's not... For me, he's not going. It was a tough one, but I just look at some of the other players here. I'm looking at players... More so wingers. Players I can play as wingers, yeah? I'm looking at... Mason Mount can play in that position. Better than Greenwood. Briggs a lot more than Greenwood. Jay Lings, better than Greenwood. Sterling, Rashford, Grealish, Foden. All players. Oh, and Sancho, we haven't even got to yet. All players that are just that just bring more to Greenwood. I'm not roasting Greenwood. I'm not saying Greenwood is shit. Greenwood's a very, very good good talent. Very good player. But he's far from the real deal. He's not done enough, in my opinion, to really warrant getting ahead of some other players. Um, so I think maybe in a couple of years, maybe by the World Cup, I think it'd be more squad ready for the minute. It, it's a tough decision, but based on the fact he hasn't delivered enough in big games for me when it's really mattered, and the fact that there's so many better players, in my opinion, it's not just, it's not because he's Man United. I want to I want to stress that, but it's a very tough one. But Greenwood, he for me, he stays at home. I'm I'm sorry, lads, he stays at home. But let me know again. Would you have taken him? For me, he hasn't done enough yet in his career. But he's a young lad. He, I'm sure he might get better. But there's just a much higher standard ahead of him at the moment. So we're nearly there to the end of the fours. Then we'll discuss our uh, best starting eleven. I'm just going to take another sip of my drink. Villarreal will be having some drinks tonight, won't they? Celebrating. Man United will just be drinking sadness after losing the final. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, I'm done having to go United fans. But you'll be glad to have no, no more United players are in this professional squad now. So I've got no more of you guys to roast. Um, so we're, ne we're now on to another Villa player. Ollie Watkins. I think Ollie Watkins has been one of the signings of the season, to be brutally honest with you. I hadn't really heard of him when he came to Aston Villa. And then very quickly when he was banging in goals against, I think it was Fulham, and then a hat-trick in the first half against Liverpool, which is a day that still gives me PTSD. Um... 
you know, he's bagged, yeah, I mean, let's, 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 let's review his season for me. He's got 14 goals, yeah. He's banged in four against Liverpool in two games. He's banged in three against Arsenal. He's their top scorer. He's helped them to, to, to 11th in the table, Aston Villa. He's, he's someone who, you know, he, he, he can create chance a different way. He, he, can make, he gets in the right positions. He can he one-on-one. He can score headers. He's always in the right place. He's instinctive. That's what I like about him. And I and see, this is where I would. This is why I would take Watkins over Calvert Lewin. Like Ollie Watkins will take on players. He will get in those positions. Calvert Lewin can do can do like get into the right into the right position in the box. But but Ollie Watkins is is more of someone. Is more of a player who can get in the right position. Can take players on. Is not afraid to try things. He's ambitious. He's 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 just always in the right position. He's always in the right spaces. And and he's a bit pacey. He just brings so much more. That to a to a team than Calvert Lewin for me, it's like I said before the same scenario. If England are chasing a game or need just one goal, saying they're trying to just push towards to get that winner or whatever, Watkins is the sort of guy who can score you any type of goals. I look at Calvert Lewin, all I see is a guy cross into him that and that's that's the only way you're going to score. Watkins gives you variety, and that's why Watkins over DCL for me. But I'm sure some Everton fans will be a little bit tilted to hear that. So the final player from the provisional squad that is going to be going. Jaden Sancho, I mean, he's had an incredible season at Dortmund. Um, I think he's broken a record for assists, I think, over in Germany. He's won the German Cup. He's been exceptional every time he's played for England. I don't think, I think he's another player where I don't really have to sit here and, and justify why he should go in the 26-man squad. I think he's more than proven himself. Um, and on top of that, he now goes into it as one of, you know, one of the best players in the Bundesliga in the last season. He's a German Cup winner, and that, you know he's now got the winning mentality. He has to go. Simple as that. I mean, I don't really have much else to add on the matter, but that's that's staying the obvious. Final player then, before we talk about our potential best starting eleven, is Bakayo Saka. I obviously mentioned at the start that three forwards are out, and Saka is one of those forwards. Now I know there's a lot of Arsenal fans that will be fuming at that, but listen, I like Saka. He's he's a good player, and he's had a a decent season, but oh man, I don't. I, I think he's another one. I think he's still got a lot to prove. I think you know he's he's a young man. I just think again, I look at the standard of some of these players because I know he's someone that can play left back. But even in the left back position, you got Luke Shaw, you got Chilwell. Um, is he really gonna get past those players? Then uh, midfield, you've got, like I said, Mount, Rice, Henderson, Bellingham, Lingard, Ward-Prowse. I'm sorry, but those players for me are better than him. Then as wingers, potentially, you've got Rashford, you've got Sterling, you've got Foden, you've got Grealish, you've got uh, Sancho. That already makes him about fifth in line. I'm sorry, but I just don't see how he'd fit into the team. He's another player I'm not sure I'd look at him and say, oh yeah, you can make the impact. You could be a good option that we can have. So it's with much regret that Bakayo Saka, um, that he stays at home. Um, I'm sorry to any Arsenal fans, but I just don't think he's ready yet. Give him a few years. Obviously, we've got the World Cup in, what, 18 months or so. Maybe by then he might have developed, he might have got better than likes of Sterling and stuff. But in the current time, he's not quite ready. He's not quite at the calibre. He's He will not get game time. That's the first thing about it. He will not get game time in this team for me, so... Yeah, yes, that is my thoughts. So just to, re- to reiterate, the so in terms of my final squad, the seven players I'm cutting are Dean Henderson, uh, Aaron Ramsdale, Connor Cody, um, 
Ben White, Mason Greenwood, Bakayo Sacco, Sacco, Saka, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Would you have cut the same seven players? Let me know. I mean, there might be players you might think Trent should be cut. You might think bloody Jack Reader should be cut. I, I don't know. Everyone's opinion is, is very different. But those are the seven players that would go. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, though, because obviously normally it's 23, so that would make it even harder. But we'll find out. So before we go away today... Um, let's, we're going to, you know, we've got to build, you know, we've got to find out what the best England 11 is for the tournament, the, the kind of 11 that will bring it home. It's a tough one. Um, I haven't kind of pre-planned a team. I'm going to use the options I've got to try and build a team. So the first question really would be formations. I mean, in, in, in the Nations League and stuff, there's a lot of talk about Southgate changing the formations and trying different things. Um, obviously, at the World Cup, we kind of really got it right. I think we did a, what was it, 3-5-2, wasn't it? The question, does he go through that again? Does he try and use some of the players that have really come through? Um, so I'm going to give what I think would be the best 11 with the players we've got. Um, so for me, I'd go probably 4-3-3. It's a tough one, but I'd go 4-3-3. So my goalkeeper uh, would be a tough one. Um, I'd probably have to go for Pickford only because he's proven himself at this level World Cup obviously penalty hero someone who's who can handle the pressure on international level so yeah, I think he'd probably be my number one as we've said then defenders so four at the back right back Trent Alexander-Arnold I mean what else can you say about the guy again going forward you can put balls into the box set pieces could be crucial as well I think it's great to have set piece options free kicks corners um, if any games go to penalties, he's a good player to have on there, so he'd be my first choice right back. Alongside him, where it gets tough, I'd probably go John Stones, uh, based on the season he's had and the kind of the fact that playing up the back has become such a big thing now, and he's really mastered that now in Manchester City. Alongside Diaz, I think he would be uh, my first choice. Alongside him would be Harry Maguire, for very much the same reason: strong in the air, a leader, someone who can kind of be. He can be essentially a Diaz to Stone, someone that can lead him, someone that can use that leadership to, 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 to take him to the next level on the international stage and kind of really get that defence in order. Um, so two kind of strong defenders there, but both that can play out from the back because that could prove absolutely crucial. Left back would be, uh, I think I might have touched on this earlier, it would of course be Luke Shaw of Man United. Um, again, I don't want to kind of do a broken record and say the exact same things that I was saying before, but again, the energy, the balls into the box, the, everything that he brings to this to the United team, I think he could bring to this England team, especially with other players I'm going to mention. Him, Trent on one side, Shaw on the other side, could be pretty incredible. And don't forget, you've got Walker to come in there. Chilwell is potential backup trippier. Um, I think the options speak themselves, really. So just to reiterate, a fullback, a uh, defensive backline of Trent, Maguire, Stones and uh, do 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 what's his name? Um, Luke Shaw. So the three in midfield. Um, first thing I'll do is have have a holding midfielder, someone to kind of essentially be a, a hoover in front of that defence. Um, it's a tough one because I think Phillips could do a great job there of Phillips from Leeds, but it would of course have to be Jordan Henderson with Phillips being his backup option. Actually, even Declan Rice is there as well as an option, but I'm going to go for experience, maybe a little bit of bias, but more experience. Jordan Henderson. I mean. At the World Cup two years ago, yes, he missed the penalty against Colombia, but he was absolutely impeccable at the tournament. His leadership that he showed at Liverpool was very much um, there to see. 
He can score goals if needed. He can shoot. He's got vision, passing, can drive that midfield. He can help build attacks from the back. Just For me, he's got to be the first choice, assuming, of course, he is fit enough to start games. But he was kind of came back into the fold at the end of the season for Liverpool. So hopefully we see more of it. The hard part is further ahead of him. So the first player I'm going to put in without a doubt is Mason Mount. Uh, again, he's someone who can start with goals, assists, can also play as a winger as well. But I personally like him in the central midfield, central attacking midfield position. Someone who can drive in there, can with Henderson behind him, he can really build forward, can help you know get the ball out to the wingers, to Harry Kane. Um, so for me, he's got to be first choice. The tough part then is who starts alongside Matt because you've got Jesse Lingard, who can obviously play that role brilliantly. You've got Ward-Prowse. And you've got Bellingham. It'd be between Bellingham and Lingard, which is tough. But I think oh, it's a tough one, but I think I'd have to give it to Jay Lings just about because I think Lingard is another player who has, at this level, he's got the experience. He, you know, he's got, you know, he's did pretty well at the World Cup a couple of years ago. He's been on the big occasions for both West Ham and, and Manchester United in the past. Again, another player can pop in with goals, assists, a good all round player, someone that can really. Again, with Henderson there, Mount providing him some service as well. I think Lingard can be someone who can really kind of play a uh, supporting role to that front three to bag it to 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 chip in with some goals and potentially you know when England need the goals he can if the, the forward line aren't getting it you've got just Lingard who can step in and, and do that. So just about it would be Lingard joining that front th- uh, that midfield three. So bring us to the front three then. Um, I think it's safe to say that the skip will be in there. Harry Kane. I don't think anything needs to be said, more needs to be said about that. Um, this is where it gets tough. This is where it gets tough. Um, so, okay. So I've actually got to think about this. Because I'm looking at the players in front of me, and it's hard. Um, so Harry Kane obviously walks into this team. Um, I'm going to bench Rashford, because as I said before, he's a very good player, but I feel he's an impact player. And for example, I've just watched him in the Europa League final, and he was kind of shocking. But... He plays very much through the middle, doesn't he, for United, and he's not going to get ahead of Kane. He'd be a better impact player for me, so he's going to be on the bench. Um, Watkins is obviously going to be on the bench. Um, oh, it's tough. It's tough. How do you pick between some of these players? Okay, so I think I'm going to give my first winger role to Phil Foden. Um, I'm a massive fan of this guy. I mean, he's he's shown that he, he's obviously been very versatile for City this season. He's played a bit, of, a little bit in the forward position. But one thing he does really, really well, I feel, is cutting in from the side, finding balls to the box from the side, beating defenders, taking shots on. He's not afraid to try things, and a lot of it when he does it is from that kind of left side, right side, that kind of winger position. So I think I would have to narrowly give him the the position of winger. Um, he was exceptional in that role against PSG in the second leg of semi-final. He also did very well in the first leg. Everything played that role. He's been exceptional, and I think someone hungry like that, a model professional as well. Again, including that time in Iceland in Reykjavik, wherever that place is called, um, the capital city. But no, I think I think it has to be Foden. I think you want players with confidence. You want players that aren't afraid to try things. Players like you know, like I said, can cut inside, can chip in with goals, assists, can get the team going. So Foden is, yeah, he walks into this team, I think, as my first winger. The question is, who fills up the 11 on the other side of Kane? It's definitely between sorry, it's between Grealish, Sterling, and Sancho. So I think 
uh, Sterling, sorry, not Sterling, Grealish would come third only because fitness could be a potential issue and I think Sterling and Sancho could both chip in with goals. It's a tough one, but I think, I'll tell you what, lads, I think I'm going to give it to Sancho because I just think over the past 18 months, I'm sorry, but overall he's brought more, to, in my opinion, he's brought more to his team than to, to Sterling has to his. He's chipped in with goals, assists, He's got vision. He can take free kicks as well. Sterling, I'm not roasting Sterling. There's no bias here. I just think that in the past 18 months, we've got to look at form and players will go into the tournament with confidence. And for me, it's close, but I think Sancho just narrowly edges it. I think Sancho just brings that at this current moment in time, he just brings a little bit more to this England squad than, uh, than, than Sterling does. Uh, obviously, Sterling's not had the greatest 18 months. I'm not saying that he's been horrific, but he's just not been good as as, he, as in previous years. Whereas I think Sancho has grown and grown and grown as a player. He's proven to be someone that delivers on the big stage. I think Sterling, this season, to be fair to him, he has kind of delivered. But in the past 18 months, it's been he's not been quite delivering as he was. So it's a tough one, but I'm going to give it to Sancho. So just to reiterate, my... Best England starting eleven, which is again completely my opinion. Yours might be completely different. So we've got Pickford as our first choice goalkeeper. We've got Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back, a centre back pairing of John Stones and Harry Maguire, and Luke Shaw at left back. Then a three-man midfield of Henderson in the holding role, Mason Mount, and Jesse Lingard. Who would have thought we'd be saying that in 2021? And then a front three of Harry Kane in through the middle, and the wingers of Phil Foden. And uh, Jaden Sancho, meaning that everyone else who I said would be in this squad, I haven't named, would be a substitute. But listen, I think having the, I think it's, it's great that you can have players like Sterling, Rashford, Grealish, Watkins, um, Ward, perhaps Bellingham to be able to just say, you know what, warm up, you're going on, you, you know, you're, you're going to play the last ten minutes. To have those options off on the bench is scary. It adds the potential for for squad depth for. For squad rotation, keeping players fit, and I've got to say, if England are going to win a major trophy, this with the final being at Wembley as well, this could be one of their best chances to do it. But I am going to do a prediction podcast where I'll be running through all 24 sides and basically predicting who's going to go out, who's going to win it, who's going to get to the semis, etc., etc. I'll even do like a top score and stuff if you guys want me to do that. But that is that is kind of a summary of everything. That is, in my opinion what the final England, England squad should look like. That is the, the seven players that I think should stay at home. And that is the uh, best 11 I think England have to offer. Do you agree with me? Do you think some of the players that I left at home, do you think the likes of Greenwood and DCL should be there ahead of some of the players I've mentioned? It's a tough one. Southgate's got a, a tough choice. It's without doubt, probably on paper, one of the best England squads that we've had in a long, long time. So... It will be interesting to see what his final decision is. But listen, ladies and gents, that is going to be it from me. Please do, pardon me, I do apologise. Please do let me know uh, what you think. Do you disagree with me? Do you agree? Uh, is there anything you would have changed? Uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, if you want to give me said thoughts, uh, obviously you can't exactly comment on Spotify, but I do have a Facebook page. It's just called Sire Says, uh, the Sire Says Podcast, sorry. Please do feel free to comment on there. I'd love to hear from you guys and let you know and you know let me know what you think of some of my decisions, uh, not just in this podcast but previous podcasts. I will be doing a Euro 2021. I, I mean, at this point, I don't know 
what year it bloody is. But we will be doing a predictions uh, podcast and we will be doing uh, some non-footballing podcasts as well. Um, it's just a case of when people are available for those podcasts. But don't worry, I have got stuff lined up. But that is it from me. So thank you for listening. Please do follow on Spotify and follow the Facebook page, as I mentioned. And have a good day, guys. I will see you very soon. Bye-bye.